All right, we're going to read some scripture, and it's from 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is uh, Paul's last letter to uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, and uh, it's the last chapter of the last letter, uh, Paul's farewell address. So let me read just uh, these two verses here. Paul writes, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith, and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning, shall we? Lord, thank you that you are um, our cornerstone, uh, that you are our, our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege on this uh, snowy Sunday morning to come together and to hear your word, to encourage one another, uh, to pray for one another, to fellowship with one another. Uh, Lord, we do pray for many in our church family that uh, are under the weather or are traveling today. Lord, would you give them a journey's mercies? And Lord, we thank you that we can um, encourage one another and pray for one another as the body of Christ. And now, Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear your truth, to hear your word. And Lord, we pray that as a result of that, our, our lives would be uh, impacted and changed and would become uh, more like you as we open up our lives to your spirit. We will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we've been looking at 2 Timothy and uh, timeless truths in troubled times. So Paul is, as I mentioned, this is his last will and testament. He's writing from a dark, damp Mamertine prison, which is in Rome. And it's actually a holding cell uh, for awaiting execution. And Paul knows that he's soon going to die. And he's writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, who's a pastor in Ephesus, to encourage him. And Timothy's living in troubled times, just like we live in troubled times. Uh, Timothy's facing some challenges in Ephesus. He's facing false teachers that are trying to influence and infiltrate the church. He's facing intense persecution because Nero is the Roman emperor and Rome has recently burned and Nero's looking for a scapegoat to blame and he he blames the Christians. And so the persecution of uh, followers of Jesus is being uh, ramped up and intensified. Timothy's facing some physical problems. He's facing some physical challenges. And so uh, Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy and he says, Hey, Timothy, stop drinking the water. Take a little wine to help your stomach. Timothy's also facing the fact that his, his son and the, his father in the faith, his, the one who's mentored him and, and uh, shared the gospel with him, is about to die. And that's Paul. And so Paul writes this letter to en- encourage him. In chapter 1, he, he writes to Timothy and he says, I want you to be encouraged because you're loved. You're loved by God. You're loved by your family, your, your grandmother and mother, Lois and Eunice. You're loved by the Apostle Paul. And Timothy, you have a, a gift and you have a calling. I want you to fulfill that gift and calling. In chapter 2, he encourages them to stay focused. Stay focused on the source of your strength, Timothy. That's, that's God's sustaining grace. Timothy, I want you to invest your life in in people, faithful people who will also be able to invest their lives in other people. Timothy, 
Um, I also want you to be ready for difficult times that are going to come, and that's in chapter 3 where Paul writes, uh, remember this, perilous times, troublesome times are going to come. And there's 18 characteristics of what those troublesome times look like. And Paul gives to Timothy three resources to survive difficult times. They're the same resources that you and I need. We looked at this last week. It's God's people. Uh, Paul had Timothy as a mentor. Uh, If we're going to survive and thrive in the difficult days in which we live, we're going to need God's people to encourage us and to walk alongside of us. The other resource is God's power, and Paul talks about the fact that how God delivered him from his difficult situations. And lastly, God's Word. And We talked about the benefits of God's Word for salvation and for sanctification and for service. Well, that brings us to chapter 4. We're going to look at a charge then that Paul gives to Timothy, and it's found in verse 1, the last part. Paul says, I give you this charge. It's an interesting Greek word. It, it, it has the idea of a forceful order or directive. And so if someone comes and gives you a charge, it's something that is, is uh, an imperative, and it's something that carries weight to it. I was thinking about the, the seriousness and solemnity to a wedding ceremony, and I've had uh, the privilege to do three weddings this year, and in every wedding we Uh, Go through the little formal introduction. Dearly beloved, we're gathered together in the sight of God and in the presence of these witnesses to unite together this husband and wife. It's it's a charge that gives us, this is a serious occasion. And and that's what Paul's trying to to bring to Timothy here. He says, "I, I have a charge that I'm going to give you, and it's significant and it's serious. Notice how he he starts here, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. So, uh, Timothy, this charge I'm giving to you is in the presence of God. And um, whether we recognize it or not, um, God's presence is is with us, and it brings a seriousness to the occasion. he, He goes on to say, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. So this charge is serious because this is given in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead. Now that's a pretty comprehensive two categories. You're either dead or alive. So Paul's saying Christ is going to someday judge both the living and the dead. We've mentioned this many, many times about the two judgments that are mentioned in Scripture. One's called the, the Great White Throne Judgment, and it's found in Revelation chapter 20, where um, those that have not had their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life stand before God. Let me just read uh, Revelation 20. It says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the Book of Life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. 
That's the great white throne judgment. That's the judgment that none of us want to be at. That's the judgment for those who never put their faith in Jesus. They're going to have to stand before God, and he's going to judge them uh, not only for the fact that they've not put their faith in Jesus, but according to their works. And so that's the great white throne judgment. But the second judgment is the judgment of believers, and that's the Bema Seat judgment. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 14. He says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so uh, I'm going to give you a charge, Timothy, and this is serious. This is serious because it's in the presence of God and it's in the presence of Jesus who is going to judge all of humanity. He goes on to add another phrase to the seriousness of this charge. In view of his appearing... So I'm giving you this charge in the presence of God and of Christ who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing. The word there, appearing, is um, the word epiphany. Uh, and the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that Christ is coming again. And he's reminding Timothy of this. Did you know there are eight times as many verses about the second coming of Christ as there are about the first coming? We're familiar with all the verses about his, his first coming, and as we move into the Christmas season, we become more and more familiar with them. But eight times as many that talk about the fact that Christ is coming again. And so Paul gives this charge in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, who's going to judge all of humanity someday, and the fact that uh, he's coming again, and the fact that he's going to come and establish his kingdom. And that's found uh, in the end of the book of Revelation as, as well, that Jesus, uh, when he came the first time, came as what? The suffering servant, Isaiah 53. And he came to sacrifice his life for you and for me, but when he comes again a second time, uh, Revelation pictures him on, on a, a great white uh, horse, and he comes as a conqueror, and his name is true and faithful, and he will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, uh, that's the introduction to the, the charge, the context of the charge. And uh, now we want to look at the content of the charge. So what is, what is Paul charging Timothy with? What is he telling him to do? And uh, let's look at it beginning in verse 2, the content of the charge. There are five commands or imperative statements. Uh, and here's the key one. First part of verse 2, Timothy says... Paul to Timothy, preach the word. So here's what I want you to do, Timothy, in these troublesome times. I want you to preach God's word. Not current events, not social issues, not commentary on the latest fads of culture. Timothy, I want you to preach the word of God. That's the charge. That's Paul's final charge to Timothy. The word preach is the word caruso. It means to, to be a herald. It means to publicly proclaim, publicly proclaim God's word, all 66 books. Timothy, I want you to proclaim and preach God's word. Why? Uh, Because it has the power to change lives. Uh, The word of God is what has the power to to make the difference in our life. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's what? The power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. It has the power to change lives. Jeremiah writes about God's word as being a, a powerful as a hammer. 
Uh, it pictures it as a fire. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, another familiar verse about uh, the impact and the power of God's Word in our lives. Hebrews 4, 12, where the Word of God is alive and active, is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So, Timothy, in these last days, in these troublesome times, Timothy, what I want you to do is I want you to faithfully preach God's Word. And notice he adds the, uh, the phrase here, um, in season and out of season. Timothy, preach God's Word in season and out of season. That phrase there has the idea of urgency and readiness. Be ready to preach God's Word. The rest of verse 2 says, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I think we said last week that the, someone said the job of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And there are times when you faithfully preach God's word where it should be very, very comforting to us. The truths that you share are shared but there are also times when you share God's word that it should make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It should sting a little bit because of God's word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So Timothy, uh, preach God's word. Uh, there's an urgency to it. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Well, notice verse 3 goes on to say, that For the time will come... When people will not put up with sound doctrine. Typically, there's a time coming when people aren't really interested in hearing God's truth. And I think that was possibly true in Timothy's day. It's certainly true in our day. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. Timothy, a time's coming when people are just going to go to, to someone that's going to tell them what they want to hear. And they won't endure and they won't listen and they won't like the sound doctrine and teaching of God's word. Nevertheless, Timothy, I want you to be faithful in uh, proclaiming and teaching God's word. So the first part of the charge is Timothy Preach God's Word. But then there's another imperative as we kind of go through the text. Uh, verse, verse 5, uh, here's the second part of the charge. But you keep your head in all situations. That's the NIV. Uh, the word there is nepho. It literally means uh, free of intoxicants. We could paraphrase it and say, Timothy, I want you to be level-headed. I, I, I want you to, to, to be focused and, and not panic and be anchored to God's word because that's going to help as you in, encourage people in, in these troubled times in which we live. Timothy, don't panic. Keep your head. Be level-headed in all situations. I recall about six years ago, uh, just a little illustration of this point, and uh, was picking up our uh, one grandson and uh, taking him to preschool. Uh, this was about six years ago. He was three years old, and I uh, got up to mom and dad's house. It happened to be a real icy 
uh, wintry day, and so rather than walking to the car, because it was really slippery, I decided to um, carry him to the car. And so I go down the steps, and I'm on the way to the car, and there's a brick walkway there, and my feet go right out from under me, and I'm uh, going down, but I'm wanting to protect uh, three-year-old Shane, and so uh, he survived the fall, but my, my elbow took a hard slam on uh, on the um, a brick there and knocked my head and it took me just a little bit to kind of gather myself. Got into preschool and I uh, then needed to make a visit at St. Joe Hospital. So I went directly to St. Joe Hospital. I forget who I was visiting, had my winter coat on and I feel um, something like trickling down my arm and I happened to look and I've got this flow of blood coming down my arm and uh, I kind of wrapped up my visit and was like, well, I'm at the hospital, I could go to the ER, but uh, being uh, fiscally responsible, I thought, I'll let's go to my doctor's office. So I called Diane and said, hey, can you call the doctor's office and see if they can get me in? I probably need some stitches. I make it back to the doctor's office, and when I go back in, um, I take my coat off, and then the nurse that was working with me, and uh, believe me, after this week, I have great, great respect for nurses. Um, don't have an easy job, but I take my coat off, and she looks at my elbow, and the first thing she says, like, your elbow is not supposed to look like that, and now I'm like, what have I, I mean, have I dislocated my elbow? Have I broken my elbow? And like, what's going on here? And uh, I got a little, I got a little little panicky, and uh, it turns out I had a big hematoma there, but uh, all all that to say, I just kind of wish it would have been a little more, you know, calm and level-headed, because when when she was kind of freaking out, uh, I was kind of freaking out. Well, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I, I want you to be level-headed in any situation that you face. He goes on to say, Timothy, I want you to endure hardship. Uh, that's uh, the next phrase there. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Persecution and suffering is part of the calling. It's part of the calling of the Christian life. In fact, one of the themes all through 2 Timothy here is is about suffering. Uh, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, verse 3. Goes on to say, everybody who lives godly in Christ will will face persecution, chapter 3, verse 12. So, Timothy, I want you to, to be resilient. And to expect difficulty and expect hardship because it's going to come. And I want you to endure hardship. And certainly the Apostle Paul was a, a prime example of that in, uh, in Timothy's life. Of someone who faced hardships, difficulties, and just kept on, kept on going. Well, uh, the next phrase, the next part of the charge, preach the word, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship... Do the work of an evangelist, Timothy. Timothy, I want you to do the work of an evangelist. You're a pastor there in Ephesus, and I want you to keep your focus on the gospel. Keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. And we can have the gift of eternal life as we put our faith in Him. Now, there are some people that have the gift of evangelism. I have a couple of friends that have uh, 
no doubt the gift of evangelism, and they just have this this boldness and this way of uh, of sharing sharing Christ with other people in a very natural natural way. For me, uh, I find that uh, to me it's a little bit of a challenge, it's a little bit difficult, and uh, uh, oftentimes in my life um, I look back at opportunities that I had, and uh, I had one uh, at the hospital Monday after Diane's. Uh, um, uh, knee replacement surgery, and I was talking to the physical therapist, and on the way home, driving home, I said to Diane, he's like, you know what I could have said? I had this open door, and if I would have just like mentioned this, it would have been a, a, a wide open door to share my faith. Um, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. I'm so thankful, and uh, I think I sent it out in the email uh, earlier this week that... Uh, Wednesday night in our Awana program after our, our Bible lesson, I noticed uh, uh, about three girls that were kind of hanging around after we gave the lesson, and and I was talking to somebody, and after I was done talking to them, uh, the one girl came up to me and said with her two friends, I said, these, these two friends want to know how they can um, ask the Lord into their heart. And we had given a, a, a lesson on sin and the gospel, and uh, so I had the privilege of taking them aside and sharing God's truth with them. And their hearts were eager and ready and open to embrace the wonderful gift of eternal life. Timothy, I want you to, I want you to keep sharing the gospel. I want you to keep sharing God's word. I want you to do the work of an evangelist. Lastly, Timothy, I want you to discharge all the duties of your ministry. Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. Uh, be, be faithful to the very end. Bring it to completion. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Timothy, continue to faithfully carry out what God has called you to do. Well, that's the content of the charge. Preach the word, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge your duties. But then we want to think about Lastly, the consequences of fulfilling the charge, and that's verses uh, 6 through 8, the consequences of fulfilling the charge. Here's what Paul has to, uh, has to say, verse 6, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Remember now, Paul's in prison. He knows he's going to die. He's looking back on his life, and he's like, he's like I'm already being poured out. That's the picture of an Old Testament sacrifice. And if you go to Numbers chapter 15, part of the sacrifice uh, of, of system was that you, you would, would pour um, wine uh, or sometimes water onto the sacrifice. And it's a picture of, of pouring your life out for Christ. And here's the Apostle Paul who, who challenged us earlier in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, where he says, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And now Paul is, is doing that. He's about to be martyred. He says, my life is being poured out like a drink offering. He goes on to say, and the time for my departure is near. The time for my departure is near. The word picture there that, that is behind uh, those words is, is a ship. It's setting sail, and it's, it's anchored at the dock, and they, they bring up the anchor, and it's ready to, to leave and depart to its destination. And Paul says, 
I know I'm about to die. I know the time of my departure is near. This ship is getting ready to set sail. There's a famous poem. don't know the author, but it's entitled The Ship, and it pictures this. The poem goes like this. What is dying? I'm standing on the seashore, and a ship sails in the morning breeze, and it starts for the ocean. She is an object of beauty, and I stand watching her till at last she fades in the horizon, and someone at my side says, she is gone. Gone? Where? Gone from my sight, that is all. The diminished size and total loss of sight is in me, not in her. And just at the moment when someone at my side says she's gone, there are others who are watching her coming, and other voices take up a glad shout, here she comes. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul knew that his his time was, was short. His time was near. Uh, the time for him to, to reach his new destination and to set sail was uh, soon to come. And so he goes on in verse 7. I, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Those verbs are verbs in the tense of completed action with continuous results. Paul says, my life is done, but the impact of my life carries on. And here we are 2,000 years later reading Paul's writing from a Roman prison. He says, I fought the fight. I finished the race that God has laid out for me, and I've kept the faith. And so there's a reward. There's consequences of faithfully fulfilling the charge. He says, now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. Paul says there's a reward day someday. As I faithfully uh, finish the course that God has laid out for me, and I've been faithful to that, when I reach heaven's shores, there's, there's uh, a reward he talks about it in the context of the crown of righteousness. There, there are actually five various crowns that are mentioned in the Bible. The word there, crown, is stephanos. It, it pictures a wreath or a garland placed on the heads of dignitaries, military victors, or those that have won an athletic contest. It's like the ceremony at the Olympics. that uh, We see the, the winners on the platform and receiving their, their awards and receiving their medals. And the Apostle Paul says... There is a crown of righteousness that Jesus is going to give me on that day. Revelation 22.12 says, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. As you have watched on occasion, like we all have, Olympic ceremonies, and you see the, the medal ceremony where... Uh, the victors are standing on those raised platforms, and uh, they they kind of lower their their shoulders so they can put that that uh, metal around them, and then they play the the national anthem, and it's such a moving ceremony that oftentimes there's tears streaming down the faces of those uh, Olympic winners. Can you imagine what it would be like someday to receive a crown, to receive a award? not from an Olympic official, but from Jesus Christ himself. 
And Paul says, there's a crown, there's a reward waiting for me. It's not just waiting for me, but it's for, for every believer who, who's looking forward and longing for the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul uh, talks about the consequences of fulfilling the charge. Timothy, be faithful to what God's called you to do because there is a reward day someday. And Jesus Christ, the righteous judge, will award everyone who longs for his appearing. Well, the charge to Timothy is, Timothy, I want you to be faithful in preaching God's word in season, out of season. I want you to be level-headed and, and keep your head in all situations and endure the hardships of life and to do the work of the evangelist and to discharge all of your duties. And when we think about our lives as believers and as we read God's word, um, God's given us a similar charge. It's, it's all through Scripture, the, the very words of God to us. I remember um, hearing my friend preaching on 2 Timothy uh, Crawford Loritz uh, a few months ago, and he talked about the fact that he had uh, someone in his office, uh, he pastored a large church in Atlanta, and was struggling with some issues. And uh, the man said to, to uh, Crawford, he says, well, I, I just want to hear the voice of God. I just need to hear the voice of God. And uh, Crawford the Ritzen said he, he told him to open his Bible and to read a couple verses. And then he closed the Bible and he said to him, you've just heard the voice of God. All Scripture is, is God-inspired, is God-breathed. This is the very Word of God. And uh, just as Timothy gave a, a charge to uh, Paul gave a charge to Timothy. As we read Scripture, we see that we've given a similar charge. What? To, to herald the gospel. To be proclaimers of the good news. He who knew no sin became sin for us, so what we can be the righteousness of God in Him and embrace the wonderful gift of eternal life. To fulfill our calling from Ephesians chapter 2. We're saved by uh, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not of works, but chapter 2, verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus what to do good works that God has prepared in advance for each of us to do. And so the charge is to, to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel, to be faithful in fulfilling the calling that God has given to each and every one of us and our giftedness. And I love Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It talks about King David. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he died. King David died when? King David died when he fulfilled everything that God had laid out for him to do. And my encouragement and charge to you is that as long as you have life, as long as you have breath in your body, God has a plan and a purpose for you to share uh, his truth and his faith. And that uh, we, ne we never stop that until God calls us home. I was so uh, encouraged. Uh, Diane's knee replacement surgery was scheduled for Monday, Monday morning at Henry Ford Allegiance Hospital. And it was um, kind of late Sunday night, maybe about 9 o'clock, 9.30. Diane's sitting in her lounge chair, and the phone rings, and it's my, uh, my mom, my stepmom. Uh, my stepmom's in a, 
assisted living uh, situation in Grand Rapids, and uh, she's had a couple surgeries similar to Diane's, and uh, she's in her uh, mid-80s, um, struggling health-wise, and she calls up Diane and says, hey, I know your surgery's tomorrow, I just want to encourage you. And she says, hey, can I pray with you over the phone? And then she uh, prayed over the phone with Diane that all would go well, and I thought, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That an 84, 85-year-old uh, lady um, in assisted living can continue what? To have a ministry and reach out and encourage others. Timothy, fulfill your charge. Preach the word. Be faithful to your calling. And uh, I trust that each of us will in our lives. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the truth of your word uh, that the, the scriptures describe as an anchor for the soul. That in these turbulent, troubled times in which we live, uh, we can be guided by your truth and your word. Lord, I pray that uh, from this pulpit here at Community Bible Church, that uh, thank you for all those that have faithfully proclaimed your word. And we pray that uh, until Jesus comes, that uh, the word of God will be faithfully um, and correctly taught from, from this pulpit. Lord, we thank you that we have the Word of God that um, we can read and we can study and your Spirit of God can, can be our teacher. Lord, help us to be faithful in that. Help us to be faithful in fulfilling our calling. And Lord, we look forward to that, uh, that day when we will uh, stand before you and hear those words of commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, may we live today to hear those words. And we will give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name.